With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is FCB Radio, where real talk lives. Visit us online at fcbradio.com. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Marble Halls and Silver Screens. My name is Sarah Lee. I'm actually coming to you this evening from Atlanta, Georgia, where I've come home to visit with family. So I'm going to try to keep this episode fairly short, right at 30 minutes, I think, um, uh, just so that I can get back to visiting with family. Um, But there's been a lot going on out there that I wanted to discuss this week. Um, I'm going to stay away from some of the more um, salacious stories that are out there and talk a little bit about um, the big news out of Washington, D.C., which I think is actually the big news. Um, It's not as sexy as some of the other stuff that's going on out there, but to me it's a huge story, and that is that Attorney General William Barr and his uh, appointed U.S. Attorney John Durham Um, have shifted their investigation uh, into the Russia collusion probe and look to be focusing in on former CIA head uh, John Brennan. This is a big story, and I will get into just in just a few minutes why it's such a huge story and how remarkable it is that the media is basically acting as if it's sort of a mystery why he's doing this. It's a very strange thing that's happened, and it's light years away from, you know, anybody that remembers the Nixon, um, you know, threats of impeachment and then Nixon's decision to resign during Watergate. Uh, The media has turned some kind of corner, and I kind of want to discuss that. Uh, Secondly, I went ahead and watched uh, The Watchmen on HBO. I was a pretty big fan of the graphic novel. I got into it, uh, you know, gosh, 10 years or so ago um, when an ex-boyfriend of mine, um, I'm sorry, 15 years ago when an ex-boyfriend of mine um, sort of introduced me to Alan Moore and that graphic novel uh, kind of genre. Um, Although I had been familiar with it to a degree thanks to the X-Men and my little brother, But Alan Moore was something brand new, and The Watchmen was really, really interesting. Uh, So I want to talk about the review of uh, the new HBO Watchmen. Um, So I'll do a quick review of that in the second portion of the show. And then thirdly, I want to talk about um, another movie that's about to be released on the 25th. It's actually a documentary, and it covers something that... Again, the media has been largely silent on, but is a again a huge uh, shift in our culture 
um, and in and in sort of how we function in this country, um, and that is uh, free speech issues and what's happening on college campuses to shut down free speech. Um, the documentary itself is called No Safe Spaces. Uh, as I mentioned, it's coming out on the 25th of October, so in a couple days. And um, a friend of this show, Christian Toto, uh, has a great review of it at his site. He, he got an advanced copy, and he reviewed it a couple of months ago, and his piece on it is very interesting. So I kind of wanted to just read a few segments of that piece and talk a little bit about, I have not seen the documentary yet, but I've seen the trailer, um, but I want to use Christian's article to sort of uh, talk about what the documentary might be covering and why I think it's probably going to be an important one for everyone to go see. So those are the, my three topics for this evening. As I mentioned, I'm down in Atlanta. Um, I am having a glass of red wine, um, so I'm going to get comfortable and um, take a break from visiting with family and watching the first game of the World Series. Again, trying not to cry because my braves aren't in it. Um, and, and come to you and, and record this and, and talk about some of these uh, issues uh, happening around us in the world today. Uh, so let's begin with the big one. Um, so if you have listened to me uh, at all, you know that I have been um, very interested in the Russia collusion probe, um, pretty much from the beginning. Uh, after 2016, after the election of 2016, uh, and we started to hear about, you know, that Donald Trump and his administration had ties to Russia, and maybe they had, you know, Russian agents that had helped them defeat Hillary Clinton, and that whole thing that we've been watching go on for the past three, almost four years. Um, I have been fascinated from it, with it, um, I'm sorry, fascinated by it, I should say, uh, from almost the beginning. Well, as it's played out, and I'm sure everyone out there listening knows how it's played out, but as it's finally played out, uh, Attorney General William Barr has focused his attention on, it looks like, uh, the, head, the former head of the CIA, John Brennan. Now, this is a huge deal because, you know, it, it came out just recently that um, Barr and his appointed, uh, his appointed attorney, uh, John Durham, he's the U.S. attorney from Connecticut, had been flying overseas and interviewing sort of this cast of characters that are, that are essentially foreign agents that had what looks to be friendly ties with the U.S. Um, those include a gentleman by the name of Downer, who was an Australian diplomat, um, a gentleman by the name of Mifsud, who was uh, an Italian, I'm, I'm sorry, the Downer was an Australian diplomat, um, Mifsud, who was an Italian academic, um, uh, Christopher Steele, as we know, former um, MI6 uh, British agent, um, Stefan Halper, who was also an academic in England, um, there's some discussion about a woman by the name of Chalupa, who was a Ukrainian-American, who the allegations are that the DNC hired her uh, to work with Ukraine to kind of help Hillary Clinton um, in her uh, election aspirations. So Barr and uh, Durham have been flying across the, the world interviewing these people. And it has come out recently in a couple of news reports that Barr has turned his focus onto one particular uh, player in this whole scheme, and that is former CIA head John Brennan. Now, what's interesting about this is that 
the media is reporting this as if this, you know, investigation into the investigators, as it's been called, is some sort of mysterious investigation, as if they're just now kind of learning about it, and they don't really know what it is, and, um, you know, what are they looking at, what do they want to know, which is a bit absurd, because if you've been paying attention, this has all been reported, there's been nothing hidden, um, Barr hasn't broadcast some of his moves, but we have learned about them after they've happened. Um, and the big question on the media's mind is whether or not this investigation is going to lead to uh, um, possible indictments. In other words, is it a criminal investigation? There's really, to my mind, no way around the fact that it is. Uh, you know, Inspector General Michael Horowitz, who is set to release his FISA, uh, FISA report um, about abuses at the FISA court uh, pretty soon. They keep, you know, every week it's like, will it be released this week? Um, but it's supposed to be coming out pretty soon. Well, Horowitz, while he was tapped by Barr to investigate, um, he can't bring indictments. All he can do is, or recommend indictments, I should say. All he can do is investigate potential wrongdoing within the agencies. The reason Barr tapped Durham is because he is outside of that federal system and he can recommend indictments in a criminal probe. So to my mind, it looks very likely that this is a criminal probe, which makes this very interesting that they are focusing in on Brennan. Um, now, Brennan has been a little bit of an underground player. Uh, he has been extraordinarily uh, critical of Trump. Uh, Politico had a report uh, when it became clear late last week that this was Barr's new intent was to focus on Brennan. Politico released a report saying, I think that I think it came out either yesterday or today, saying that you know this is a um, that this is the result of Trump being obsessed with John Brennan. The implication in the article was that because Brennan is so highly critical of uh, Trump, that tr this has spurred Trump's obsession, and he wants nothing more than to just, you know, finger Brennan and, and use him as a scapegoat, and that's what's happening. Um, I don't think I buy into that. Um, there's another article that came out late, late last week in NBC News um, where it's, they also report this as if it's some sort of mysterious, you know, what is this investigation? What is it supposed to lead to? Um, but they're more, um, I think, they're less sort of covering for some of these players. Um, and they're sort of, you know, asking the questions, and they've actually quoted Brennan, asking the questions of what is it that this investigation is supposed to lead to? What are they looking for? What do they want? The DOJ would not go on record saying that this was a criminal investigation to the to NBC. Again, that's my suspicion is that it is. Um, but NBC is sort of just asking these questions. Um, it, you know, the NBC report also mentions that, um, you know, they, they use they refer to some of these things that Barr and Durham have been doing as, you know, hunting conspiracy theories and things like that, which I don't think is a fair characterization of what's been going on. But they do quote Brennan at one point, and um, they say, you know, that Brennan is sort of befuddled by this investigation. He doesn't 
understand what's happening, and he called it bizarre. And he says at the very end of the NBC report, I'm very comfortable with everything I was involved in. So if that everything I was involved in ends up to be discovered that it was, in fact, a very coordinated effort to stir up opposition research against the Trump campaign and make it and maybe even manufacture that opposition research using uh, foreign um, intelligence to do it. I mean, I suppose it's okay if he's, you know, comfortable with that, but it may not be something the rest of the country is comfortable with. So um, what is fascinating to me about this, before I move on to a review of Watchmen, is that in the past, if anyone is old enough to remember, or even if you're not old enough and you've just seen the film All the President's Men or read the book, or are familiar with the Watergate scandal during the Nixon administration, you know the role the press played in that. They were dogged. Um, they were, any time news broke of a, a high-ranking administration official that may have been implicated in the Watergate scandal, it was, it was national and international news. They did not let up on it. It was scandal after scandal after scandal. And it should have been. You know, that was, um, that was Woodward and Bernstein's, uh, you know, rightly lauded investigative work. This situation where the attorney general of the current administration, appointed by the current administration, is investigating the former head of the CIA who was working under the last administration, possibly in a criminal probe to discover if they worked to um, manufacture this collusion probe against the sitting president, the fact that the press is acting as if they're confused by this and, you know, characterizing some of these things as conspiracy theories is astounding, particularly when I started out as a journalist partly inspired by, I was... Um, not old enough really to know about the Watergate scandal. I'm not old enough to really know about it in real time. But I was inspired by it much later as a teenager and as a, as a young college student before I became a reporter um, by that story, that sort of, you know, speaking truth to power, journalistic ethics leading to, um, you know, the exposure of corruption at the highest levels. So to watch the press now act as if this same kind of, you know, this is even bigger than Watergate, frankly. Um, act as if this is just some kind of strange, like, what is this? What are they doing? Are they just, you know, in tinfoil hats running around the world investigating this? It's astounding, and I've got to say, it's a bit demoralizing as someone who's always been um, a fan of journalism and and the... Um, you know, the ethics of journalism. I am heartbroken a bit to see this. Um, but that's just me. I don't, you know, for the most part, I'm not even sure the rest of the country, the average American, even knows that this is where Barr is going because the press hasn't been reporting it. They've been acting like it's not been happening. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. I think you should read these reports. Just go do a Google search, A.G. Barr and Brennan. And start reading about this stuff and discover for yourself what you think about it. 
if nothing else, the fact that it's happening should be front page news all over the country, and it's not. And you should ask yourself why. You should ask yourself what is going on out there in journalism that this story doesn't even merit a front page mention. Meanwhile, discussion of a congresswoman having, you know, torrid sexual relationships is all anyone wants to talk about. Um, there's something out, there's something going on in journalism that I'm not sure is um, sort of benefiting the average American. Um, so again, that's my, that's my piece on that. Um, please do go check it out and read about it. Um, and, you know, as always, let me know what you think when you do. Um, so on to Watchmen. So if you're familiar with the graphic novel format, um, you are likely familiar with Alan Moore um, and his brilliant uh, 12, uh, 12 issue uh, graphic novel series called Watchmen. Uh, the original series was basically the gist of it was that there were superheroes that um, sort of popped up in like, I want to say after World War II, um, and then again in the 1960s. And they, their existence created an alternate timeline where things like, for example, the Watergate scandal never happened. Um, and like the U.S. like won uh, the war in Vietnam. So the, the timeline has shifted um, in the Watchmen universe. And there are these iconic now characters that exist, one of them being Rorschach, who shows up in the new series. Um, you know, Dr. Manhattan... Uh, is also an, an iconic character, um, the comedian. So these are all, you know, comic book nerds all know who these characters are, and they're familiar with Watchmen. Um, the brilliance of Watchmen was this sort of continuity uh, throughout the issues that they were never, they didn't have these, con these um, the continuity images, the images that were, um, that, that, that uh, made appearances through all of the issues. Never, they didn't necessarily need to be explained or even germane to the storyline in the comic book, um, but they showed up and they created a sense of continuity between the issues. Um, and and so you know some of those images, the smiley face, for example, if you see that somewhere, it's a symbol of Watchmen, and everyone knows what it is. So the new Watchmen on HBO is not a um, it is not a retelling of that original 12 issue uh, series. It is a brand new story arc in that Watchmen universe. And so the only thing that's available right now is the pilot. So it's this first season, but you can only see the pilot. That's the only thing that's uh, available. So that's what I watched. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. It's dark. Watchmen itself was dark. Uh, Regina King is the primary uh, superhero in this, and I should mention that the superheroes in Watchmen are not supernaturally gifted, with the exception of, I want to say, Manhattan. He is. The rest of them are just people, okay? They're crime fighters, but they're morally ambiguous. They're, um, the reader is sort of left to decide the goods and the bads and the moral, um, the moral implications of what they do, which was, I think, Alan Moore's intent. He really was not trying to hit you over the head with what you should think about these people. He, he made them very complex, and the reader was left to decide if their decisions were morally right or morally wrong and how they felt about them and who 
like to and how the reader and th and that's the thing readers of Watchmen have their own favorites everybody has their own favorite character because just like people you have your preferences right you're not told who you're supposed to like so I expect this new Watchmen series to do something similar and this first episode sort of makes me think that's going to be the case because we already are introduced to characters who are, you are given reasons to really like them. And you're also given reasons uh, within the same episode, hour-long episode, to not like them very much. So I think they're going to play with that same dynamic. Um, it's a very, it's like I said, it's dark. It's filmed very well. The acting is very good. Um, there's a, a gentleman that I recognize, and I can't think of the actor's name, but I recognized him from... Oh, brother, where art thou and other things? And he's quite good, and his character is interesting. He wears sort of a reflective mask. So as he's looking at someone, they're basically seeing themselves in a mirror. So it's a very interesting dynamic there. Um, as I said, Regina King's this, they describe her as a nun, and she kind of has that look about her, but she's a total badass. She's fantastic. And I just like Regina King in general. She's a really interesting actress. Um, and so the plot line also in this one is dealing with a very relevant um, issue, which is white supremacy and, um, you know, a, a group of people who dress as the original Rorschach character, uh, who, by the way, was sort of a vigilante. Um, so this group of white supremacists, uh, you know, you're starting out with this group um, as the sort of evil characters, the white supremacists. And it's sort of reminiscent of, like, the Klan. You know, they wear hoods, they wear masks. And then there's a group of cops um, that are battling them. And the cops are made up of all different races, which I really appreciated. There's not an attempt to really draw a, a clear line between good and evil on race, um, which I think is, except for the fact that the bad group is a group of white supremacists, but the people battling them are not all black or, you know, Asian or they're mixed races. A lot of white people in there, too. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. And also the way they're playing with the notion that the cops in this, at least in the first episode, are the good guys. Uh, they're battling, you know, this group that is um, racist and uh, um be fascist and and you know in our current society that's not always what people think so I like that they're playing with some of our preconceptions I like that they're flipping things this episode has flipped things around a little bit um, which Watchmen also did so I think it's really um, adhering to that original um, the spirit of the original Watchmen um, I also think that this this new series is um, there's a lot of um, imagery that is, harkens back to the original Watchmen, the smiley face, for example. If you blink, you'll miss it, but I saw it in some eggs, <laughs> which was really cool. Uh, there's also some, you know, newspaper headlines that harken back to the original. Um, so it's, it's quite good. Also, the fact that it's, you know, it plays with the alternate history timeline element as well. So it does, it does harken back to that original Watchmen, which is nice. And it, and it was, like I said, it was acted. The actors are very good. The writing was excellent. Um, the filming was nice. It was sort of dark and gritty, but also um, the same way comic books are. They have these light moments as well. There's some kids in there. Um, but the one thing I will say is that Damon Lindelhoff, who's helming this, who is, you know, known for Lost and 
um, the recent uh, Leftovers, which I haven't seen, but I've heard great things. I think that was also on HBO. Um, he is a huge Alan Moore fan. And Alan Moore is this mercurial guy who has kind of distanced himself from the whole comic book genre because he didn't like the way some things were going and he felt like he got screwed over by DC Comics. So he has completely distanced himself from this new effort, although his writing partner is a consultant for it um, and, and has given an interview where he appears to be um, pretty excited about it. So Lindelhoff has given interviews himself where he said, you know, he's this huge fan of Moore and he feels sort of morally conflicted by the fact that, you know, Alan Moore won't have anything to do with his work, but all he wants to do is create something that Alan Moore would like. <laughs> so it's an interesting show. The elements of that would make a show interesting, both behind the scenes and in that world as we see it, they're all there. So I hold out great hopes for this uh, show. I think it'll be quite good. Um, you know, there's going to be some violence in it. It's it's going to be fairly dark, but Watchmen was. So if that's your if that's your jam, you should probably like it. But give the first um, the pilot episode a spin. You may you may see some things you like. It certainly has set up the the end of it leaves you hanging a bit, and it definitely leaves you wanting more. So um, so give it a sh give it a shot and see what you think. And again, let me know what you think. Um, okay. So finally, I just want to briefly mention. Uh, another film that's coming out called No Safe Spaces. It's set to be released on the 25th of October. Um, and it is a documentary on campus free speech issues, which, again, this is something that the media has just largely ignored. But as Christian Toto writes at his uh, column, Hollywood and Toto, and he has seen the documentary, you know, the documentary starts out, the, the hosts or the, the stars, I guess, are um, Adam Carolla, who you may know from podcasting and radio work. Uh, he's a comedian who's also quite a political commentator. And Dennis Prager of the Prager Institute, um, who is definitely, you know, familiar with free speech issues. He's been censured himself. And, um, and uh, so they're sort of covering this issue. And I will say it looks like the uh, documentary attempts to interview a bipartisan group of people who all have an interest in protecting free speech. So that's very nice because we live in such a uh, sort of polarized time that it's nice to see that there are people on both sides of the aisle who are interested in this issue and are worried that speech is under attack. So one of the things that Toto says is that the, the film starts out fairly light, but it's simply clearing its throat and establishing the key players and themes. And then he says this, We're soon knee-deep in shocking tales of campus culture gone awry. Threats, violence, destruction, despair, careers destroyed, arrogance, immaturity, hate, oh, lots and lots of hate. It's hard to recognize this college portrait, especially after seeing big screen romps like Revenge of the Nerds, Animal House, and Old School. Those new to the free speech fight, understandably, given the media's reticence to cover the issue, may be shocked. It's all the more reason to watch No Safe Spaces. So if you are unaware of what's been going on on college campuses, all you have to do is go read Campus Reform or... Um, 
anything Ash Shaw has written, um, because she's covered the campus speak quite a bit, the free speech uh, campus speak quite a bit. Um, the students, the modern uh, young person today, has become a sort of uh, indoctrinated version of, I mean, I hate to be hyperbolic, but there are many fascists, basically. Um, you cannot say what you think. You cannot disagree with them. You cannot, um, you know, have an opinion that they don't find, that they find objectionable. Or they will call for your career to end. They will have you fired. They will accuse you of being all kinds of isms. Um, you are basically toast. And God forbid that you are, you know, like a white male or, um, you know, one of the the designated criminals right now, or if you <clears throat> are a conservative, um, you are automatically targets. So what is fascinating to me, and I'm very looking forward to watching this documentary, is again, the media's absolute silence on this issue. It's as if it has not been going on. And trust me, it's been going on for years. Uh, there's a whole other documentary about what happened at a school in, or I want to say it was Oregon, where a professor was um, absolutely like run out of that campus on rails uh, simply because, I mean, and he was a very liberal guy, but he just ran afoul of what the students felt like um, was their position on things, and um, they absolutely destroyed his career. Um, and the fact that this is not something that is being covered in the mainstream press almost every day because it's happening more and more um, is, is fascinating to me. And it again makes me wonder, what, why is the press asleep at the wheel on these issues? They're supposed to be defenders of, the free, uh, of free speech and freedom of the press. And it's as if they have blinders on. Um, you know... Here's something Christian Toto says. While the vast majority of free speech attacks target conservatives, liberals like Weinstein aren't spared. Um, that's uh, that's um, Weinstein is the professor uh, at Evergreen State College, which I just mentioned. I'm sorry, it wasn't Oregon. It was Olympia, Washington. Um, and he was the one that, you know, the woke campus basically rid, you know, got rid of him. Brett Weinstein was his name. So Toto says, the details of Weinstein's fight are so farcical, so dangerous, it's almost impossible to believe. We watch it all shake down in no safe spaces, unable to look away. The faces of these social justice bullies will haunt you. While the vast majority of free speech attacks target conservatives, liberals like Weinstein aren't spared when the PC police come a-knocking. Just ask Amy Schumer, Will Ferrell, or Tina Fey. They've all had their experiences with this. The same holds true at the university level. Um, it does, Toto says, spotlight a number of liberal voices like Dr. Cornell West, um, Alan Dershowitz, and Van Jones. They are all featured in the film, and they are all defenders of free speech. So I think this is going to be an important uh, documentary to watch, and I will watch it, and I will review it uh, in an upcoming show, um, because I think... Again, certainly for someone who works in communications like I do, um, this idea that you can be destroyed 
because of a, you know, thought that you have and that you speak, um, is, it's frightening to me. And it is, um, of course, it doesn't stop me and it shouldn't stop anyone, but it is, it is a scary thought to think that one day people can just have you, um, stripped of your credentials and your reputation because you espouse an opinion that they don't particularly agree with. Um, and especially when it's coming from what are essentially children on campuses. Now, granted, a lot of the faculty is involved here, too, and they're not children. But I suspect No Safe Spaces is going to show us a sort of Lord of the Flies uh, look at what these kids who believe that they are the smartest and the wokest among us do to people that they just decide one day don't fit. And that is a extraordinarily scary uh, reality to think that the children are running the asylum, so to speak. Uh, so I will watch No Safe Spaces and I will do a review for you. But in the meantime, uh, avail yourself of the information that's out there. You can read Christian's piece at Hollywood in Toto. Um, the name of his column, let me just pull it up. Um, I think it's just No Safe Spaces Review. Um, and you can do a you can do a Google search for that. Actually, the the um, title of his piece is "No Safe Spaces: Our Last Chance to Save Free Speech." Um, so find that and read it. And then on the twenty fifth, when this comes out, find it and watch it. And I will have a review for you, um, hopefully on the next show. Um, so that's that's my show for tonight. Those are the things I wanted to put out there for you to think about. Um, definitely watch Watchmen, see what you think about it. It's like I said, it's very relevant to what we're living in today culturally. It's also a nice, um, nice honor. It honors, uh, you know, an iconic piece of art, a great, a great graphic novel that, um, nerds all over the world, you know, have, have, uh, idolized and loved. So, um, so yeah, so give that a watch and then keep your eye on this, uh, on this William Barr investigation into um, the investigators, the Russia collusion probe, uh, because I think it's about to heat up, and I fear you're not going to hear much about it unless you go find out for yourself. So that's my show for this evening. Um, thanks so much for joining me again, and I will have more fresh content for you next week, and y'all take care and be safe out there. His face is up on a bulletin board with a report. He'll stab you with the sword. Don't be fooled by his charm. He's the FCB Radio Network. First class broadcasting worldwide. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.